this week's episode of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Grab a seat at the table as Masters Rowing coaches Marlene Royal and Rebecca Caro share their biggest secrets on how to unleash your hidden potential and plot a new course for real results on the water and off. Now, on to the show. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Firing Radio where today we're going to be talking about the challenging topic of rowing and death. I'm Rebecca Caro and I'm joined by Marlene Royal. Hello Rebecca and hello to our Faster Masters Rowing Radio audience. It's nice that we're back again this week. Yeah, we definitely have weather alignment. Marlene and I both complaining i'm complaining about a storm she's complaining about the unbelievable beauty of the snow outside her window and <laughs> where the deer are grazing and other fine things now death is a fact of life uh, we all know that we're not always comfortable talking about it um but in recent weeks marlene and i for different reasons have come up against uh people in rowing who we have known and enjoyed rowing with and who have died um, I personally choose to use rather direct language rather than say passed on or um, other epithets. And we thought that actually it was worthwhile talking about this because one of the things about marking someone's passing is the importance of having that time to celebrate and acknowledge. And I know, Marlene, you were very struck last year when Larry Gluckman died because he was a good friend of yours wasn't he yes and we we spent a lot of time a lot of time coaching together over over many years and you know I I think also you know Larry was an all-time great coach but you know we're also seeing in rowing you know some of our really iconic coaches are starting to pass away and they're they're starting to get up there in years. And, you know, it really makes you think about um, the coaches who have influenced you or you've worked with and um, how much they they had to offer. And, you know, that not everybody is going to be around all the time. Yeah. So this, the thing that I think I'd like to look on is the positives. How can we, as people who, who survive, the survivors, um, do our best to realize and recognize someone who has died? And I'm going to tell a story from a group of friends of mine who I used to row with in Cambridge in the UK called the Cows. They were called the Cows because it stood for Cambridge Old Women. <laughs> and we never had we never had cow row suits, but we did talk about it. Um, one of them has very sadly died of breast cancer this past week. And I was part of the group's discussions about going to her funeral and what could they do? And they were invited by the family to share at the front of the church some of the rowing memories that they had of rowing with this lady, Rachel. And they all decided to turn up wearing, they called them their cow's hats, which obviously was something they had bought when they'd been to a regatta together. Um, and one of the nice things about rowing memories and is that there are lots of tellable tales, you know, stories that are worthwhile sharing, which 
go right across the gamut from you know funny to ridiculous to to scary to achievement to loss and that might be quite a nice thing to do at a in a funeral situation because it gives you the chance to showcase an aspect of somebody that perhaps their friends who don't row would never have seen. Do you have any instances, Marlene, where you've got ideas on ways that we can memorialize people? Well, I I think it's nice to write about those people. You know, I, I know that I have certainly, with, say, coaches who have, who have died, who I've worked with, um, wanted to write art articles or include some of their teachings in the articles that I've written so that, you know, A, we give them credit for some of the great work that they did, but also, you know, so it's, it's kind of a record of some of the things that they were teaching and things that may not be written down that we can, we can pass on because um, sometimes people don't write things down. And... Um, Setting, yeah, I mean, setting up a scholarship is a really nice thing as well. If if it was, um, you know, like, for example, um, after Larry passed away at Craftsbury, they actually have set up the Larry Gluckman scholarship. And, um, and you know, people who would like to attend camp can apply for that scholarship and the information is on the website. But that is, that's a nice way also to memorialize and give credit to someone and in a way that they would like to have been giving back to help kids be able to come to the camp and to learn how to scull and learn more about the sport. Um, so, you know, if that fits into the realm of the rower, you know, that that's, that's certainly a nice thing to do. Um, if there's a program at, at the boat club or at the school they may have worked at or attended to. There certainly was a project for a while to try and create a website for Harry Mann, the legendary New Zealand coach, and to see if they could speak to as many other coaches and athletes who rode with him about their memories of how he coached, because they felt that his coaching technique was so unique and so supremely successful that actually it was a learning resource. Mm, yes. Well, and I was thinking also of... Um, something like a, a book of stories or writing a book of tales like you you publish your rowing tales book and you know i think if there was somebody who you rode with for a long time or was part of your crew for a long time or a coach having those people in the club or that they may have rode with in university or school you know dedicate a book of stories of, of maybe the really fun times that they had or funny stories and like you say sides sides of the person that people who don't know might not know. And, um, you know, and that's, that's something that's kind of, you know, a physical object that you can have that you can remind you of that, that person's. That reminds me of one that the Lake Washington Rowing Club did in Seattle around a very famous coach called Frank Cunningham, who was a longtime member. And what they did was they collected the articles he'd written for their newsletter over the years. And he used to illustrate them as well. So I have this lovely slender paperback, which has little um, line drawings in it, uh, not necessarily illustrating technique. They were just nice pictures of rowing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, and Frank Cunningham, he, he 
wrote the book, the, the Scholar at Ease. So that's that's kind of one of those famous classical sculling books. But something like like that, you know, that were collected topics over the years. I mean, having hand draws and and those it's easy to lose those types of things. And, you know, having those references are just wonderful. Our sponsor this week is the club program. Yeah, so our club program, our our club program is a monthly training program which is tailored to the entire club. So it has all of the components of our training programs, which is uh, the training program component, which would be designed for different peaks during the year. So in one given month, there may be two or three different training programs, depending on the uh, race or the event that your club is focusing on. There's always a technique component, whether that's a video or an article. We have the strength program and land training exercises that are included in the club program, peak performance tips, rowing lifestyle articles, and we always have a surprise bonus gift. But one of the things that is quite uh, unique about the club program is that we also help you with crew skills and drills. You, you can have a video analysis up to three times a year. If you need help with how to select your crew or athlete testing advice, you can email Rebecca and I at any time and we, we help you with that. But one of the really successful parts of the club program is the monthly coaching call. And we set up a monthly coaching call and that can be used in any way that, that really benefits the club. And for example, some, some examples of what we do are, um, I may have a, a video call with, with the coach and the coach may want to discuss video review of the athletes and we review it. And then he takes that information back and applies some of the drills and points of how to teach certain elements of the stroke, takes that back to his athletes or her athletes on the water. That's one format. Another format, which is quite popular, is, is the actual members of the club who are following the program join in on the call and they will send in training questions to me, which can be quite specific that applies to their training situation. If they're uh, also rowing and doing another sport, they'd like to know, okay, well, how, how can I combine my important rowing workouts with the workouts that I have to do in my other sport? Or they may want to know in with a specific workout, is it better that I focus on rowing the piece this way or that way, or they may want to talk about what's the best strategy for developing my race plan. They, they can have a lot of different questions. Um, they might like to discuss their testing. What was the result of their fitness assessment testing? And what should they focus on a little bit more in training based on, on what their results were? So it, it can be quite a valuable call and we always record them so that people who cannot be on the call are able to listen afterwards. But they learn a lot about training and, and it really helps facilitate understanding why a session is written a certain way. And if they if 
if athletes understand why they're doing things, they're much more likely to be engaged with the program and get the full benefit out of it. So that, that's one big advantage of the call. Um, another thing we do sometimes is we do video review. And the athletes upload their videos beforehand, and we do a live video review together, and then we record it for those members who, um, who aren't on the call but want to still learn how to look at the stroke and make improvements, and then uh, we do it again the next month. So the, the club program can be you know, quite beneficial for a large group of people and you know, really help to bring up the level of fitness, but also you know, I think the, the educational side of rowing and how to make technical changes and understanding the why of why you're training, how you're training. Of course, you can cancel at any time. So sign up for one month, bring your colleagues along, give it a go, um, see what you think once you get inside. And remember, you always get two months programs at any one time. So even if you only pay one subscription, one month subscription, you will walk away with two months worth of programs, the current month and the prior month. Now, back to our topic for today. Um, we are talking about rowers and death. And today I want to talk about rowers facing end of life. So if you have had an unfortunate diagnosis and you know that your health is only heading one way, what are the things that we can do as rowers to support other rowers in our group who are sick but maybe want to keep on trying rowing? So I'm going to start with an anecdote from a friend who had a a nasty diagnosis of a, um, of a disease that meant she could no longer single skull. She had to be in a crew with other people. And I won't go into the detail of, of what was wrong with her. But we came up with an arrangement that four of us, including her, would go out in a quad once a week in a reasonably gentle format because sometimes her illness affected her in the boat. What was interesting is as the diagnosis progressed and she was getting treatment, she found that it didn't affect her in the boat. And she got back to actually full training, um, you know, with medication. And, you know, you didn't, you didn't need to treat her with kid gloves or wrapper in cotton wool, which she always mm. laughed about. She said, what's so interesting is that I'm actually fine in the boat most of the time. And it's the rest of my life where other things happen medically. So that was a you know, it, for us, as it happened, it was a reasonably short period of time. But Marlene, do you have any examples of how you've supported people when they've had times when they can't train in the way they might like? Yeah, so I, I had one close acquaintance in in Florida um, who had who had a, a, a diagnosis that that was quite serious. And it was a type of cancer. And, you know, we we knew that, that, you know, it was not going to be a curable type of cancer. And one of the, one of the things that, that was, was very important was that, that he really wanted to keep rowing as, as long as possible and enjoy the time on the water. And even if that meant um, rowing slower or rowing for less time, you know, just, just being able to, to get in his boat and go out and enjoy the lake and enjoy being outside. And just if you needed to stop and take a break, you just stopped and take, you know, took a break. And, you know, I think it was just really important for, 
for the other rowers around to support this individual. And, you know, and we would, we would be rowing always so that we could keep an eye on him or see him, or we were rowing side by side with him. And uh, we only had singles, so we didn't have team boats to use. But it was a it was a very very important part of his life for those years, and you know he rowed as long as he could until then, you know he didn't have the strength to row, but um, but you know I think it just it just added a really important quality of life element, and and also, you know it's really important to have something to look forward to, oh, yeah. and that and that outing was really something to look forward to and. This particular individual had such an incredibly positive outlook anyway. Um, but but knowing that you could row a couple of times a week and get out there and just, you know, be in the sunshine and be on the water. And regardless of how you were changing in terms of strength, um, you know, I just it was just such an important element for, for quite a number of, of years until, you know, finally, it, it you know, he did, he did finally pass away, but, um, you know, it, I think it was just really critical to, to have that pleasure. Mm. At that time. Yes. A friend of mine who had, had one of those uh, breast cancer um, treatments where you have uh, every two or three weeks you go for um, radiation and therapy. And she found that she could row on the day of the therapy. So she'd go rowing first, then hospital, and then she had obviously a week of feeling hideous and slowly recovering from the poison in her system. And again, she would maybe or maybe not be able to do anything in that period, but the morning of, and it kind of lifted her spirits before she had to go into the hospital. Well, and I'm sure you, I mean, you just, it keeps you stronger. I mean, you know, even if, if, you know, when you're dealing with the disease process, your body needs so much strength to heal and, you know, just, keeping as active as you possibly can is always going to to a you know make you feel better by kicking up endorphins but it's also going to help you stay physically stronger which which is you know gives you a bit more resistance and you know maintaining your muscle mass and and um mm. but i but i think there's just so many psychological benefits you know you know seeing being with people being with friends, rowing with people, being on the water, just enjoying the nature, even if you can't train competitively. Um, you know, there's just so many, there's just so many benefits to being out in the boat, messing around in boats. And, you know, I think it's just such an important thing for, you know, if you have declining health or if you have a disease process that you're, you're dealing with, you know, being able to row and and there's so many ways that we can adapt rowing i mean rowing is an absolutely unique sport this way because you as rebecca already mentioned you can row in a double with somebody you can row in a quad take someone in a quad you can row in boats that are more stable um you know now we have so many choices of coastal boats and and open water boats or putting pontoons on a single so like you can create a very stable mm. platform, which years ago was, was, you know, in a, if there were a person wrote a single, it was not always a choice. So, you know, I think rowing really lends itself to being a, a therapeutic sport and cyclical sports are healing sports. So, you know, really? sports, 
yeah, sports like like rowing, cycling, swimming, cross country skiing. You know these these types of activities where you're repeating a, a stroke cycle over and over and over again have a very have a very calming effect on the nervous system. So they're different than sports like uh, weightlifting, for example, or um, sports that you're changing direction, you're changing directions all the time, like say maybe, you know, um, mm. baseball or an eye, a, a, you know, a sport like yeah. tennis, for example, which is eye-hand coordination and it's a little bit different. Um, the cyclical sports have, have a very, very good influence, um, healing influence on the nervous system. Interesting, you were saying earlier about maintaining your strength. I had a conversation weekend with um, a friend who I bumped into at the regatta who has stage four bone cancer in her spine. And she said, yeah, I'm here and I'm only in quads and I'm having a lovely time. And, you know, of course, I'm not at full power, but I'm, I'm really enjoying being at the regatta. And she told me she had gone after her initial diagnosis to a specialist and they had said, you know, can you kick me? And she said, you're the third person who's asked me to kick them. Do you really? I'll, I'll kick you, but do you really want me to kick you? And they said, well, stick your foot out and see if you can, like, like push. And she goes, I can do that. And so she pushed them, and then she, then she kicked them, and then they went, this is interesting. Based on your scans, you should not be able to do that. And she goes, <laughs> I'm a rower. Yeah. I'll kick you. I know, I know. They may be testing some knee-jerk reactions there, but still, right? So... No, well, they, and they genuinely thought she should not be able to put pressure on the end of her foot. Wow, wow. Kiss to you, well, you know, I know that. Keep kicking. <laughs> I know. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, in any situation, again, making the, the, the best out of the moment. I mean, and, and I, I think that's just a good, it's just a good rule of life in general because, you know, the, if we don't pay attention to this moment, we, we miss it. And, you know, I think, I think as you're facing the, the end of life or you have a friend who's facing the end of life, you know, all that time becomes all, all that more precious. And, um, you know, hopefully the takeaway is that time should be precious all the time. There's a truism if ever there was one. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you. Appreciate and understanding. Uh, uh, not an easy. So thank you, everyone. This has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio, and we will see you again next week.